This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of the Treasure Island Baseball Network. The reigning American League Division champions head into 2020 with their sights set on bigger things. This is the show that keeps you plugged into that pursuit with all the news, moves, and more. It's the Twins Hot Stove Show, presented by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. It's how memories are created and legends are made. And here's your host of the Hot Stove Show, Chris Atterbury. Well, good evening once again. Welcome to the Twins Hot Stove Show. I'm Chris Atterbury from our network headquarters here at Target Field. Hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving. Of course, last week we had to go ahead and well, we had to record early travel week. Uh, and of course, there was a massive news dump after we recorded. So a lot to catch up on this week. And we have a jam packed show. General Manager Thad Levine is with us. Uh, we're going to have Taylor Rogers with us. So if you're joining us all across our network tonight or on Facebook Live, uh, stay exactly where you are because you are not going to want to miss any of what is to come. We don't have a lot of extra time. So let's get right to our baseball bulletin. We'll hit the old keyboard and get to some of the news and notes this week on our Twins Hot Stove Show brought to you by Killebrew root beer we start of course with the news that broke last week that was Derek Shelton being named the Pirates manager we'll hear from Thad Levine on that as well as Taylor Rogers and deservedly so Derek Shelton huge impact on the Twins organization we wish him the best likewise Jeremy Hefner the new pitching coach for the New York Mets we wish him the best he'll do a great job as the pitching coach in New York and a guy who is certainly deserving of that job and we'll get some thoughts on how and who might be uh, in charge of replacing those two gentlemen in the Twins organization from Thad Levine. Nelson Cruz added another trophy. He is the Edgar Martinez Award winner as the DH of the year as voted on. No surprise there. Little bit of a surprise, not shocking. C.J. Crone, Trevor Hildenberger, non-tendered by the Twins earlier this week. And so obviously that is a topic of discussion uh, here as well. The other news last week was Sam Dyson being investigated now by Major League Baseball on some domestic violence and animal abuse charges. Never good to see those type of highlights uh, around anybody. Uh, And that is something that baseball and Sam Dyson, former twin, will be dealing with. As for news and notes moving forward, spring training tickets went on sale Yesterday, Tuesday, December 3rd, hard to believe they make a great gift and spring training tickets go on sale, are on sale now as of Tuesday. First game against the Gophers, February 21st. That's the first game. We'll carry, of course, select games here, but you might want to get yourself on down to Fort Myers and enjoy it. And you can now get those spring training tickets, which make a great stocking stuffer. Other news coming out yesterday from Fort Myers. They are no longer the Fort Myers Miracle. They're the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. Now, the Miracle name came from Miami when the team moved across Florida years ago. We caught up with Twin Cities native Marshall Kellner, the voice of the Miracle, and asked him how long this name change had been in the works. It's been in the works for for quite some time, uh, Chris, and uh, thank you for for having me on. The toughest part about it was uh, kind of containing our our excitement and and keeping the secret until until today, but uh, now we can finally let everybody know. 
that it is uh, the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles. Uh, it's kind of a new era of baseball here in Southwest Florida and uh, and Fort Myers. So it was a really fun day here to to unveil. Uh, our new name. Yeah, guys like Johan Santana was down there. Matt Hoy represented the Twins. John Gordon, Alex Kirilov were all on site modeling the new look for the Mighty Muscles. Of course, a little double entendre there. The brawny bivalves, as they are described. My favorite of the various logos is the one that pays homage to the Minnie and Paul shaking hands across the river with the two muscles, and very muscular muscles at that, shaking hands. Yeah, that is the that's the batting practice hat, and uh, kind of goes with the alternate purple uniform. Uh, so we had the home whites, uh, the the road grays, and the alternate purples. That that hat really does uh, pay homage to the Twins, who have been uh, have been our affiliates since 1992. So new colors, new logos, lots of them. And if you're doing a little holiday shopping, well, Marshall knows just where to go. Yes, uh, MightyMuscles.com. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, the uh, merchandise is on uh, on sale now, and. Uh, it's really cool looking stuff. Uh, you can go there and uh, pick out your favorite items for yourself. All right, thanks to Marshall Keller joining us on short notice. Again, it's now the Fort Myers Mighty Muscles, a whole new look, and we encourage you to check it out. That is our baseball bulletin this week. More housekeeping. We've got a Kilber Root Beer prize pack in our What's Brewing competition from last week for Cheryl Anderson. You might recall our question was in relation to the Thanksgiving Day Parade, the Macy's Parade. What baseball figure would you like to see in a balloon? Uh, uh, a famous balloon making its way through Manhattan. We got lots of suggestions. Uh, Big Poppy was one. People liked the idea of him floating through the streets of Manhattan. But we went with Cheryl Anderson. Cheryl Anderson said Eddie Rosario in a rose-shaped balloon. So, Cheryl, congratulations and thanks for playing. You'll win a Killebrew Root Beer prize pack. I was a little surprised that we didn't get more Williams Ostadio suggestions on this one, but there was already a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle balloon, so perhaps that would have been redundant. As for this week's competition, and you can play for your chance to win a prize pack from Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. You can play along on Twitter, at Twins Radio, hashtag Twins Radio all week long. Our question this week, CJ Crone has been non-tendered. We'll talk about that with Thad Levine. Our question to you is, who will make the most starts at first base for the Twins in the 2020 season? Is it Miguel Sano? Is it somebody not yet on the roster? Is it uh, Marwin Gonzalez? Who will make the most starts at first base and explain your thought process for the Minnesota Twins in 2020? And the most exciting and creative answer, as judged by us, well, you're going to win a Killebrew Root Beer Prize Pack. It's our What's Brewing competition, and it's at hashtag Twins Radio at Twins Radio. Now, we do have Thad Levine coming up. We've also got Taylor Rogers. Encourage everybody to also download the podcast of this week's Twins Hot Stove Show because it is a jam-packed edition. But we close our opening segment on a very somber note. We are without our producer for this one, Mark Janoski. Gino and I have been uh, linked at the hip here for the last 13 years, spending more time together uh, than we really do with our families. And it is with great sorrow and sadness and leaden hearts uh, that we are mourning the loss of his father, uh, Francis Frank Janoski, who passed away at the age of 86 this past week. All of our condolences out to the Janoski family, who we feel is our family. He will be dearly missed, and he will live on through his four children, and his wife, Dolores. So Francis Frank Janoski, gone too soon at 86, and we mourn along with the Janoski family. We're back with more on your home for Twins Baseball. 
It is the Hot Stove Show. It's brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. As mentioned, last week we taped early with holiday travel upon us, and then there was a massive news dump after we recorded. Uh, while all of that news was happening, our next guest, well, I ran into him at the airport. And uh, Thad, you're not moving as quickly today. Uh, General Manager Thad Levine, and uh, I joked with you as you were headed to your gate, I said, turn your phone off for a couple of days. I imagine that didn't happen. No, you know, this <laughs> is the time of year where you're kind of on call 24-7. It's exhilarating. You know, you're talking to agents, you're talking to clubs, and despite the inactivity so far, uh, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes to try to set up the next deal that could help the 2020 Minnesota Twins. And you're not only, along with Derek and the rest of your team, putting a roster together, you're putting still staff together, and part of that news dump last week was the news that Derek Shelton very deservedly is the new manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're getting a great man, a great baseball man, uh, and I think we were talking a little bit off air. He's a guy whose impact on this entire organization uh, over the course of the past two years, not just last year, I think can't be undersold. I think we were blessed over the last two years. We, we genuinely had two managers in our dugout. And Derek has been such a part of the leadership team here. He will be sorely missed. You know, like we, we say we're going to shoulder forward and we're always going to be able to fill the next spot. And I'm excited about who will be the bench coach for the 2020 season. But the reality is Derek was so much more than a bench coach for this team. He was a conciliary to Rocco, to Derek Falvey, and to myself. And he was involved in every player personnel decision we made as a team. He was really so responsible for building that culture in the clubhouse that he and Rocco led uh, the last two years, or last year with, with Rocco. And he, he is an excellent hire for the Pittsburgh Pirates. This was a long time coming. We knew it was going to happen. I told him on the eve of him finding out is I was going to be ecstatic if he got the job. I was also going to be ecstatic if he didn't get the job. Uh, it was bittersweet, but he's a dear friend, and I'm wishing him the best of luck. It was inevitable. He, he was going to be a major league manager, and we're excited for him and what he'll do in Pittsburgh. Thankfully, he's not in the division or in the American League because he will do good things. The process of replacing him, the bench coach is such a unique role because there has to be uh, a trust factor between the manager and the bench coach. Uh, there have to, to be so many of the things that you shoulder uh, in the clubhouse, in the dugout during games. How do you go about that process and how big of a deal is a previous relationship or a rapport with Rocco Baldelli? Well, I think about five years ago in our game, we started seeing a shift in the front office to having two guys heading up the baseball operations group, and Minnesota took on that that model as well. And I think we are now just seeing that percolate down in the in the clubhouse. I think we're recognizing to be a manager of a team, they're so vast, the responsibilities, it's better accomplished with two people. And that's the way Rocco tried to do it last year. There was a partnership between he and, and Derek Shelton. I think one thing that we're not doing is historically there was a very specific skill set that you looked for in a bench coach. There was a set of responsibilities, and that was more the silo-based uh, model that took place in for decades in clubhouses. I think Rocco looks at looks at it more as there's a skill set he wants in his entire staff. What does he have currently with the group that he has retained? What do we need to fill? And then we're going to try to find the most dynamic partner for him. But historically, what Derek and I have done in a lot of these hires is we really haven't hired people that we had a long history with, but rather people who we thought were the best moving forward for the franchise. My hunch is we're going to hire another person who has a chance to be a manager in short order, somebody who may not be with us for that many years, but somebody who hopefully can make an equal impact, albeit different than what Derek made. And I would think with Rocco Baldelli, he's, a, he's an ego-free manager, so you don't have to worry about somebody who's concerned about that. I would think that he would be open to somebody that he has a long track record with or 
somebody maybe that he doesn't even know. I think what made the partnership so beautiful last year, especially for Derek Shelton, was that Rocco had no ego. He truly delegated some very managerial type responsibilities to Derek Shelton. He he paved the way for him to be an even more attractive candidate this this offseason than he was the previous offseason when he also interviewed for jobs. So I think he worked hand-in-hand hand with Derek. He understood his ambition was to be a manager, and he tried to cultivate a lot of those skill sets and really carved out an opportunity for Derek to be a co-manager in some regards with Rocco last year. It paid off greatly for both parties. Uh, any timeline, or uh, is this just going to be fluid? So this is something that we, we are really aspirational of hiring the right person, not just the right candidate who walks through the door of the first. So I think between a lot of us in the front office and Rocco, we've put together a very attractive list of people, some of whom we have some history with, some of whom we're doing some real vetting on right now. I think we would like to get a few of these guys in for interviews, whether it's now or while we're all down in San Diego uh, for the winter meetings starting on Sunday, we may try to meet with some of them there. The old AD adage that an athletic director always has a list of three or four future head coaches in their top drawer. Do you and Derek keep, keep a list or when you run across people, uh, and it could be in any field, do you make a note like, hey, you know what, that maybe is the type of person and personality that we might want in our organization someday? The, the answer is unequivocally yes. I, I think baseball is so much about scouting. I think when we talk about that, fans associate with a, a scout sitting in a stadium evaluating a group of shortstops and ranking them one through six. But what Derek and I are doing is we're, we're scouting out talent as we in, engage with them throughout the course of our careers and throughout the course of the year. And we, we do keep a running list of guys that we'd be intrigued to talk to, what skill sets we think could lend to being productive contributors in our organization, whether that's as an area scout or it could be as a bench coach. We have those lists that are fluid. He and I compare those lists all the time. And then when time is to strike, we start with at least the makings of 15 to 20 names, and we try to whittle down as best we can. Twins General Manager Thad Levine joining us in studio on the Twins Hot Stove Show. Glad to have you with us, however you're joining us across the network. Speaking of talent, you guys brought Jeremy Hefner into this organization, one of my all-time favorite people that I've had a chance to get to know through this world of baseball over the last 20 years. Again, not a surprise that he's now a major league pitching coach. He goes back to New York where he he played for the Mets. Uh, Taylor Rogers called him the secret weapon when he was still wearing khakis. He continued with that nickname when he got back in uniform. That's another big hole to fill. Huge transformation, I think, for the Minnesota Twins was what Jeremy Hefner brought to the table. You've got a guy with such a unique skill set. He was a pitcher who went through some trials and tribulations, had to reinvent himself a few times as a pitcher. He then became an advanced scout and became immersed in the analytics, and then he became a coach. So he brings to the New York Mets all three of those skill sets and experiences that he can draw upon to help that team elevate itself. Tremendous hire by them, big loss by us. I, I think we are... Uh, the, the bigger focus may be on the bench coach. I think upstairs we're equally focused on the bullpen coach because we think that that could be somebody who could really be dynamic for us. We've got a lot of attractive candidates, quite a few of whom are working for us right now at the major league and minor league level. We're going to try to vet those candidates as soon as we can as well. We're talking to Wes Johnson. He's adding to that list, and, and we've got a really exciting group of people to consider. And you talk about the change in the dynamic of bench coach manager. I think the bigger change has been in that bullpen coach role. For years was a backup catcher who used to maybe catch a bullpen or growl at people down there. Uh, and then it became a second pitching coach. And really with Jeremy, he wasn't a bullpen coach. He was an assistant pitching coach with Wes. You mentioned some of the talented people in the organization. Uh, Colby Suggs took over for Jeremy. 
has history with Wes Johnson. Uh, he's young. He has some of those same tendencies. I would think maybe he's a guy that would be part of that group you mentioned. Yeah, and, and we're actually minimizing growling as one of the, the value plays in that position. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I think it's that, that position has evolved immensely. As you, as you mentioned, it maybe used to be a little bit more of a functionary role and a real subordinate role to the pitching planning. Now this person, at least for us, was so instrumental in putting together the game plans with Wes Johnson to help elevate the skill sets of our players. Then also fluid during the course of the game, making adjustments in the bullpen and really preparing our pitchers to come out of the pen with a very clear and concise plan plan for the first one, three, five hitters they were going to face. I think we're going to look for that type of partner for Wes again. Uh, Whether that person has a catching background, a pitching background, an analytics background, we're wide open because I think Wes has that level of intelligence and ability to communicate with all types of people. But like we are talking about with the manager and the bench coach being partners, we're looking for a partner for our pitching coach and a bona fide assistant pitching coach here rather than just a functionary role. One role that you did fill, and this again happened just prior to all of us departing for the holiday, Michael Salazar as your head athletic trainer has some history in Cleveland. Uh, Can you introduce Twins fans to to Michael Salazar because this is a role that also has changed and is a critical role. I call it a keystone role because uh, that man, that that trainer is holding up from the player side, from the coach's side, from the front office side, from the, the medical staff side. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility there. What can you tell us about Michael? I, I think the theme of the show so far has been about evolution and progress. And here's another area where when Derek and I came over from, from Texas and Cleveland respectively, it was one area that we really challenged ownership to see if we can invest more into the player wellness. And it's just, it's evolved so dramatically over the last 10 years. And so what Michael Salazar brings to the table, aside from having 18 years experience with the Cleveland Indians, one with the San Diego Padres, literally being a trainer at every level, including the major league level. He also has been the WBC Dominican Republic uh, head trainer for two of the last three WBCs. He comes to us as a bilingual candidate, which is just a tremendous value add for for a team such as ourselves. But he also has a doctorate in athletic training. He's extremely decorated academically. And I think that's where the game has changed a little bit. Gone are the days where you just simply have athletic training credentials in these roles. You have guys who are significantly decorated. They have more little acronyms passed to their name than any of us could possibly decipher and define. But Michael is bringing, I think, a very open mind. One of the most progressive teams in the in the league in terms of training-wise has been the Cleveland Indians. He has additional experience in San Diego. We're going to build out our medical staff to include some new orthopedic surgeons involved in our conversation and a a whole new uh, uh, mental skills department. So I think we feel as if we've transformed this group to being kind of league average to well above and hopefully a bona fide competitive advantage for the Minnesota Twins. Looking forward to having Michael Salazar around and learning from him. And speaking of player wellness, news came out, Jorge Polanco will clean up on the ankle. How's Jorge doing? He's doing great. You know, these are things that it's always a little bit of a a gut-wrenching read when you see a blurb saying that one of your star players had a surgery. No such thing as minor surgery, Right. right? In this case, it was a cleanup of some scar tissue. We did it well in advance of opening day. Uh, This should not inhibit him from doing his normal off-season programming. Uh, Right now, he's in the rehab phase on this, but hopefully this will alleviate some discomfort that he was really playing with a lot of last year. Imagine how how well this guy could have done if he didn't have an ankle issue. I, I think this is just an underlying thing for our fans to know is, so many of our guys are beat up. And uh, A.J. Pierzynski, who I know this fan base knows extremely well, I, I worked with him when he was in Texas, and he said one day, 
that uh, everybody feels great opening day. Every day is something slightly less than that. I think that is a reality for these guys who play 140-plus games. I think Jorge needed a little bit of a tune-up and an oil change. He got that, and he's ready to roll. <laughs> People want to talk about players. They want to talk about free agents. They want to talk about trade. That's the sexy part of the offseason. You're headed to San Diego on Monday, where some of that conversation will continue with the winter meetings. Let's talk a little bit about players. I know you're not going to get too specific, uh, but – uh, there, there is starting to see some movement. It started with the non-tendering yesterday. Uh, C.J. Crone, Trevor Hildenberger, again, Hildenberger, a great guy, great story, had some, some injury issues, some effectiveness issues last year. Uh, C.J. Crone was a guy who got injured as well. None of these decisions are easy. How did you come to, uh, to a decision on those two guys? And, and what is the next step in terms of continuing to add to this roster? You know, I think any time you subtract a player from your 40-man roster, you don't take it lightly. And there, there's a lot of evaluation that we undertake. There's a lot of polling of our scouts and our analytics guys that we really immerse ourselves in. I, I think in this case, these were very difficult decisions. I think in both guys' cases, we've had conversations already with their agents about staying open-minded to continuing the relationship. As we're looking to improve the the. 2019 team to, as we turn the calendar to 2020, I think one thing that we've looked at is the possibility of reconfiguring our infield in some way, shape, or form. To do that, we needed to have a spot to potentially rotate guys into. So I think this doesn't preclude us from having ongoing dialogue with C.J. Crone and Mike Moy, his agent. I just think as we sat there on December 2nd, we wanted to have some flexibility. We also wanted to give him a chance if, if there was a bona fide everyday opportunity out there at a higher rate that he could pursue that. We were going to hold him hostage indefinitely. We wanted to give both opportunities a chance to explore the markets, but we very well could turn back to C.J. Crone at some point. Trevor Hildenberger is a guy that drafted and developed by this franchise. A really a tremendous story in 2017 when he came up and, and really became one of the more stalwart members of the back end of the bullpen heading into 2018. Had a little bit of a hiccup last year. Another player that we're having ongoing dialogue with his agent, Jeff Randazzo, about the possibility of continuing the relationship. This is the time of year, though, unfortunately, where you have to clear some spots in anticipation of adding some players in the offseason. We know we have some holes to fill in our roster. We want to give ourselves a little more flexibility heading into that process. That's what everybody just heard. They just heard they're filling spots. They're filling spots. General Manager Thad Levine joining us here on the Hot Stove Show. You mentioned filling holes on the roster and people look at it positionally. Uh, I also, as a guy walks into that clubhouse every day, know that three of your four corner lockers now are empty uh, for the time being with Nelson Cruz, obviously a pretty good guy to still have in that far back corner. Now you can make a lot of where people sit or too little and, and the reality is somewhere in the middle, but they are foundational points of the clubhouse ecosystem. And I know you guys think about that when you're trying to identify the proper people with a skill set as well as a cultural fit for your room. Is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, I know this is something that may be tough for fans to hear, but it's something that John Hart taught me early in my career, which was each year aspire to have similar to, if not more, impact players on your roster. Never aspire to have the exact same players on your roster. And that, that allows room for people to grow into those spots as well, Precisely, correct? precisely. And, and, and I think that's no different than anybody's workplace, where if senior management stays in place indefinitely, it doesn't allow for middle management to get those opportunities to shine and, and remove those low ceilings that may be butting their heads against. So I think we look at a baseball franchise the same way. Now, it's challenging for fans, and I get that. We, we're not doing this capriciously. We're not saying never. 
never never buy a t-shirt of a, one of our players because we're going to trade them or get rid of them <laughs> but by the same token we we recognize that those corner lockers are vacant now are we aspirational that somebody who's sitting in one of the middle lockers is going to occupy at least one of those we are absolutely mm-hmm. and that has to happen organically but we also recognize it, as we're filling our pursuits this offseason it was valuable to bring in guys like Nelson Cruz and Marwin Gonzalez and certainly the the seat that was filled by Kyle Gibson for so long in this organization and and guys like Michael Pineda who was here Jason Castro who was here some of the guys you're referencing who had leadership roles with us we need to fill those you know we need to fill those whether those happen organically uh, internally or whether we bring in some guys this offseason that will be something we're attending too. Winter meetings are next. You guys will head down San Diego. Going to be kind of odd with the sparring going on between the minor league side and the major league side right now. It's going to be a little different vibe down there in San Diego. It, it is. And also, I think, as, as you mentioned earlier in this conversation, we're going to be spending as much time probably talking to agents and other clubs as we are to potential coaching candidates mm-hmm. down there. We'll use that opportunity when all of our staff is together. Rocco's down there with our front office group and some of our other major league coaches to visit with some of the, the bullpen coach options and some of the bench coach options. So we'll be very busy while we're down there and Improving the team in a lot of different ways. All right. Well, it's going to be fun to watch. We appreciate your time as always. Uh, go have a bountiful trip to San Diego. Enjoy a couple of fish tacos, and we'll see you hopefully with no suntan when you get back because you're so busy. Do you have some stories ready for some of those late-night sessions? I know. Uh, what do you talk about? Passing the conch? Is that, <laughs> yeah. is that your phrase? Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's an interesting time. Fans may be surprised to hear that there's a lot of uh, rolling up your sleeves and having competitive dialogue with other teams, but then when you get to a point in the evening, we just start that uh, there's a fellowship as well and there's a camaraderie and there's a campfire element to it where we all kind of sit around and tell some stories there's a camaraderie mixed in with the competitiveness we compete during the day and have some camaraderie at night hope somebody has maybe one too many drinks and makes a trade they shouldn't make and you're involved <laughs> with it uh, let's make sure that that someone is not you right <laughs> before that trade gets made all right have a great time we appreciate your insight into what's going on and uh, we'll talk to you uh moving forward thank you very much for having me on that's general manager thad levine it's the twins hot stove show when we come back taylor rogers going to join us next right here on your home for twins baseball and here it comes check swing did he go on appeal he did Ball game over. Rogers strikes out Prado. The one-two pitch. He got him. Strike three. Swinging. Ball game over. And the Twins win nine to seven. Rogers ready. And the pitch. He got him. Strike three. Swinging. Ball game over. Twins win. Welcome back to the Twins Hot Stove Show. As promised, it is all Major League Baseball reliever Taylor Rogers joining us here on the Hot Stove Show. Brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated. How memories are created and legends are made and Taylor joining us from his home in Colorado and uh, I, I sent you a note when you were named to the inaugural ESPN All Major League Baseball team and you said you bribed the voters. Uh, I, I'm thinking, what would you give them all your plastic silverware from the summer or how did you bribe them? <laughs> no, I think uh, you know I was I was very happy to uh, to receive that honor. I think it was cool and and you know having a a successful season like we did and you know Mitch Garver and and Nelson Cruz and everybody getting all the awards I think it's just a testament to our season and, and the team we had and the people around so it didn't take much bribing I don't think from the, the writers but you know you got to keep that stuff uh you know kind of quiet when you're when you're doing some blackmail <laughs> very nice you mentioned the year and it was such a special summer and it all just kind of came together beautifully uh, how long do you look back on it and kind of take the time to enjoy that. And then at what point do you click your brain uh, towards what's to come? 
Yeah, you know, um, after that playoff series, it took me a little while to kind of process that and, you know, try to uh, get back to the positive parts of the season. And, uh, you know, start going over, you start unpacking and, you know, you have some, some uh, you know, stuff from the season. You know, I had my Buxton t-shirt and my Kepler t-shirt. And that's when the good memories started to kind of roll back in and uh, start to remember all the good things that we did. And um, it didn't take me long to uh, get going back into the workouts and stuff. Just to, my excitement level was, uh, you know, a little more heightened than the last couple of years to uh, get back going. Well, you mentioned you, you had enough T-shirts to last you about 100 years because you guys had a new one every day. So one thing we didn't see was a Taylor Rogers T-shirt this last year. Is that in the works? You know what? When we're talking about bribing the, the writers and everything, I might have to do the same thing and uh, get a Taylor Rogers T-shirt going. Yeah, we'll have to figure out a good way to, uh, to figure that one out. Now, there will be some changes, and as we talked about with Thad Levine earlier in our program and off the top, Derek Shelton deservedly now is the manager of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Jeremy Hefner deservedly is the pitching coach with the Mets. Let's start with Hef. You nicknamed him the secret weapon uh, when he was still wearing khakis as the advanced scout. You spent a lot of time with him out in the bullpen. He's a special guy. He's a talented guy. I know it's tough to see a guy like that leave, but this was also inevitable, right? He was uh, too good at his job not to become a big league pitching coach before long. Certainly, certainly, yes. Uh, you said the right word. Does it really show? Um, yeah, Hefner's really good at what he does. And, you know, I call him the secret weapon because. He's not out in you know in the in the main light showing uh, all of his talents. He kind of does his work behind the scenes, and I think that's one of his best qualities. Is he doesn't ask for much in return, and uh, you know he's he's helped so many of our careers. You know, for me and, and Tyler Duffy and Trevor May, and I, I think uh, you know that no doubt he'll do well in New York, and couldn't be more happy for him and his family. And and same with Shelton. You know, he's. Uh, he told me uh, in, in 2018 that one day he wanted to be a manager, and I said, Dude, you'll be outstanding at being a manager. And I think Pittsburgh is a really good fit for him. And, and like you say, when you have a successful season, you know, uh, other teams kind of catch on, and, and they kind of want to know what we've been doing to get to a successful point. And uh, I think that's just a testament to the type of people that we have in our organization. Yeah, and a testament to Derek Shelton that a bench coach even talks to the relief pitchers, right? I mean, that, the fact that he uh, that, that he even could remember your name as the bench coach, I mean, that speaks to the impact he had across the entire club. Certainly, yeah, that's <laughs> that's something different uh, that he brings. And, and <laughs> yes, uh, yeah, he he made you feel uh, as if as if we were all teammates and and not uh, you know coaches and players. Uh, it was all kind of one piece working together. He's very good at communicating, ask your opinions on stuff. And, you know, that was really cool coming from, you know, a bench coach, you know, talking to a bullpen guy. Because usually it's just as if, you know, when the phone rings, I'll go in there and, uh, you know, try to get the job done. Uh, but he didn't make it that way. He, he asked how you were doing, wanted to know about your family. And uh, just a really good communicator. And, and I think that's from the top down. You know, that's what Rocco instilled early on in spring training, just respect level. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he respected everybody first, and then everybody respected him after that. And, you know, that's that's not an easy thing to do in this profession, but um, having those type of people in the organization certainly makes you just want to be a part of it. Taylor Rogers, our guest here on the Twins Hot Stove Show, post-Thanksgiving edition of the Hot Stove Show, and we appreciate everybody joining across our network. Taylor, I want to talk about Wes Johnson. You had a full year now with Wes. 
we joked a lot about how Wes and Half made their their pilgrimages to to go see people, uh, the pitchers throughout the course of the off season. And you used to point out to him he never made it to Colorado. You asked if his plane got rerouted, if he needed a map. Uh, I don't know if he's going to come visit you at all this year, but I do know that Wes has a lot of ideas in terms of how to go about an off season. Have you implemented some of those new ideas, or as successful as you've been, have you and Wes decided to just kind of keep doing what you've been doing? A little bit of both, yeah. Wes uh, sat down with me and, and asked kind of what my off-season uh, throwing program looked like, and I kind of gave him the rundown, and we tweaked a little bit of things. But he said, look, you know, uh, you, you have uh, proven that, that you can be ready uh, for a season, so I'm just going to step away and let you do your thing. And um, he, he, We probably talked on the phone four or five times this off-season, and uh, one of the times I had missed his call and called him back, and it was kind of around dinner time. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm having dinner with my family." And I said, "Well, I'll just talk to you later. Like, go have dinner with your family." And and he was dead set on on having a conversation. So I felt kind of rude for interrupting his <laughs> dinner, but that's the type of guy he is. You know, is is uh, he just wants to talk and, and see how things are going. And um, you know, Ian Kadish, our strength coach, um, he's been awesome too. Like, he's uh, We've collaborated with a guy out here at this push performance in Colorado. We actually have uh, four minor leaguers um, at this place as well. And uh, those two have collaborated, and we've put together a really good strength program and uh, a movement program. So I feel really good about uh, where that's at right now and and how that's going to be heading into the season. So like you say, Derek and Thad have done an outstanding job of just placing the right people in our organization and um, just really good people and really good at their job. And I think that's what showed on the field. Does your workout partner, your, your brother Tyler, now that he's a big leaguer, is he insufferable, or are you guys able to uh, still get your work done? <laughs> we still get our work done, yeah. Um, you know, I, I haven't really – I'm not really sure if, if I needed to make him do any of the rookie responsibilities. But, uh, <laughs> Carry your backpack and whatnot? Yeah, yeah, but – no, no, it's been good. Uh, I, I'm so lucky to have, have a workout partner and a throwing partner. And, and the best part is since we you know, may or may not have the same body type, our, our workouts are real similar. So we're able to just jump in and, and kind of do the same thing together. And we, we have a really good thing going, and, and uh, I think it's going to bode well for us. And the foosball game is strong for you too? <laughs> the foosball game's strong. We uh, – no broken lights yet. Uh, we, we had a we had a drywall issue, but th- those can be patched up. So the, the foosball games get intense. Let me ask you a more serious question because it is a business, and, and roster shuffling is never fun. You know, Trevor Hildenberger, uh, one of our favorites, your old throwing partner, he was non-tendered yesterday. Doesn't mean, as we heard from Thad, that he's not going to be back in a Twins uniform, but but there's always change. And one of the changes in your clubhouse has been that your your player reps keep leaving. First it was Dozier. Gibby did a great job. Jason Castro's a guy with a ton of experience in that regard, especially with the current kind of uh, climate between the Players Association uh, and, and Major League Baseball. That's a void now. Who would you see in that room that you think would be a great voice for you guys moving forward into that role? Well, that's a, a great question. And honestly, uh, that's something that I've talked to Gibby about. Um, I, that's something that I want to take over. That's a role that, uh, that I think that I would do well at. And I wanted to uh, attend the, the executive board meetings here, but um, I had a jury duty summons that I had to uh, attend. 
Jury which, duty. Um, I'm going for the record. I, I've had four jury summons in my lifetime, so I think I'm, I'm going for the all-time record, But uh, or else I would have been there. And, you know, I, I think uh, hopefully my teammates, you know, think highly of me enough to, uh, to vote me into that position, but I, I really do think, um, you know, that's something I'd be interested in. That's super interesting, and it makes me excited. Uh, I had no idea that you were interested in pursuing it. I thought your input would be very interesting because it's something that, I think doesn't get talked uh, a lot about outside of that room, but it's such an important role. As you mentioned, you've had some great role models in that regard, and it takes the next generation of players uh, being willing to put in that time to keep this thing rolling. So that's really exciting for me to hear. I'm more excited also about this jury situation. Have you been placed on any juries, or do you just go in there and then you get tossed out by the lawyers, or have you actually sat through any trials yet? No, I have not been chosen to sit through a trial. I've, I've been in the juror box twice now. Um, the other two previous times, the, the cases were settled before uh, anything happened. And the other two, I've been in the juror box, and, you know, the lawyers are asking you the questions or whatever. And uh, I guess evidently they didn't like my answers, so I was dismissed. I'd um, like to see you and Tyler on the same jury. <laughs> That would be a bit confusing. <laughs> that could I'm be sure. really confusing. We would. They don't cover that in law school, I don't think. I don't think they cover that so. in law school. I am, I am curious to uh, see what the record is, though. I feel like there's more re- enough residents in this county that, that can cover it. But um, the other funny part about them is, is all four that I've received have been uh, in the summers. Of course. So I've had to uh, get a postponement. So. I now know the lady who I talked to to get postponements. We're on a first name basis at this point. Well, that's good. That's a very good. That's a very good thing. Taylor Rogers is our guest. Taylor, we like to have a little fun uh, at the tail end of this, so we call it three cuts, uh, and we let you get into the batter's box, and I lob some softballs at you. You ready for three cuts? Let's do it. All right. You have a reputation for being thrifty amongst your teammates, and yet you also got a bunch of current or former bullpen mates who have been getting married. Of late, Hildy had a, a beautiful uh, wedding in Los Altos Hills uh, about a month ago. I know Ryan Presley's got the big New Year shindig coming up. So I will ask you, and hope that they're not listening, wedding gift-wise, how is Taylor Rogers giving wedding presents to his bullpen mates? What do you go with? <laughs> Funny you ask that. Uh, yeah, I, I try to think a little bit outside the box. You know, I go a little bit, uh, I guess I go off the path of the registry and everything like that. I try to get something more unique. Um, you know, to them and, and their wife. Uh, and I just try to be, uh, you know, something that they can use and not something that they're just going to store in a closet. But, uh, you know, I, I think, um, uh, you know, Presley's wedding should be should be fun. And, and honestly, I think just, you know, going to the weddings and, and showing your respect to them, you know, having these friendships and, and them even inviting me to go is really fun. So, um, I really like to uh, attend those weddings. It should be fun. You did give Matt McGill uh, a leash for Maverick, his son, when, when he was born. So you have a bit of a history in terms of your gift-giving prowess. <laughs> That's correct, yes. All right. Th- this next question, very important. People know that you and Tyler front row seats uh, to watch your beloved Broncos. They're coming off a big victory. So I will ask you point blank, is Drew Locke the answer under center for the Broncos? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. Uh, it dawned on me at the game on Sunday that he reminds me a lot of Jay Cutler uh, when he was here in the beginning with the Broncos. Uh, but he throws a really nice ball. He threw his first two touchdown passes were right in front of us, right at that back pylon. And, uh, you know, I'm just uh, 
with the Broncos, I'm just a supporter. I'm not a complainer. I don't I don't get in there and say we need this, we need that. I don't harp on the players because I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. So I just like to go and support and be a fan. Um, you know, we had uh, twenty thousand no shows on Sunday, um, which is a little bit of a problem for us here in Broncos country, but. I, I just like to go and support, and, and I'll be a fan regardless. Uh, I'm not convinced until I see proof that Homer Bailey and Jay Cutler aren't the same person. Uh, <laughs> I, I think they both big arms, right? Both big arms. Right. They kind of look the same. The body language, I, I'm not convinced that those two aren't the same, the same person. And as somebody who They're sat... doppelgangers. Uh, absolutely. And as someone, myself, who sat in the old mile high and had it swaying, you know, with that incomplete chant... Uh, and when I was a kid, the most famous Bronco fan, he wore a barrel, the barrel man, right? Yeah. And, and he had the barrel and the suspenders and no shirt, and he probably needed multiple shirts, but he was kind of the thing that you saw, the guy you saw at Mile High Stadium. So my last question to you is, do you wear a jersey? Do you and Tyler wear jerseys in your front row seats? Uh, if so, whose jersey? And uh, historically, did you have like a first Bronco jersey or a favorite guy? Yes, I go with the throwback jerseys. And there's a reason for that. For one, the retired players cannot get traded, and then you don't have a jersey. Then you have a jersey that you can't wear because they play for a different team. Good point. So I have a uh, I have a John Elway, a Steve Atwater, and a Shannon Sharp uh, throwback jerseys. All in the and, orange, uh, home orange. All in the orange, yes. And then uh, I thought once about getting a Bradley Chubb jersey. He's a defensive end uh, with the Broncos right now, but he's number 55. So I got to represent the double nickels in the world. That's a good point. All right, that, that works. What was your first jersey? As as little kids, did you guys have have like little kid Bronco jerseys, or was it always you know guys like Elway who were your favorite players? Yeah, yeah, Elway was a big one around here, and then I had a Terrell Davis growing up, and I also had a Clinton Portis jersey, Ooh. which uh, was able to get signed at a, like a bookstore or something uh, <laughs> back when I was younger. But that's when it really hit home for me because then he got traded to Washington, I believe. So. Then I was like, well, now I can't wear this jersey. So that's why we go with the throwbacks and uh, kind of the glory days of the Broncos because, you know, John Elway can't get traded. He's always going to be a Bronco, and that jersey will always be relevant. Well, I will say, if you want to add to your collection and live by, you know, that that motto and also link to your, your summer home here in Minnesota, Carl Mecklenburg might be a good one to add into your rotation. Ooh, that's a great the, the one. The Snow Goose, Double former seven. gopher. I did not know he was a formal girlfriend. Yeah, see, That's there you okay. go. Something to think That's about. Good to know. Yeah. Put that in the rotation. <laughs> Put that one in the rotation. Well, a guy who's not in the rotation, but he is a fixture in the bullpen uh, and one of our favorites, Taylor Rogers. Kind enough to join us here on the Hot Stove Show. Taylor, continued uh, successes throughout the course of your offseason, and we can't wait to catch up with you uh, at Twins Fest here in January. Looking forward to it, guys. I'll be up there, I'll be up there uh, December 9th, 10th, and 11th. Uh, up in Minnesota, I'm going to uh, attend a wild game. They're doing uh, firefighter night at the wild game, so I'm going to attend that, support the firefighters in Minnesota and St. Paul. And then uh, before that, we'll be handing out some blankets to some state troopers and then also um, bringing some gifts to uh, Gillette Children's Hospital. So Hey, that's really fantastic, and up. you'll be up here. So next week, you'll be here. Will you be doing the Let's Play Hockey chant with the firefighters? I'm going to try to, yeah. If they let me be a part of it, I'd love to be a part of it, but... Uh, mostly, I'm just going to show support. You know, the, the, the St. Paul guys uh, and the Minnesota guys uh, really uh, have kind of let me into their 
their brotherhood and uh, just want to help them out as much as possible. Yeah, they invited me to go this hockey night, so I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing a hockey game in Minnesota. That's all I hear about. It should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. It is going to be outstanding. And if people want more information on your foundation and how you hooked up with these firefighters as well as those in Colorado, can they find you uh, online? Yes, we have a website right now. It's rogers55.org. We're still in the processes of getting uh, everything put together. We're looking forward to you know getting that website fine-tuned a little bit. But we had a golf tournament here at the end of the season in October, and the St. Paul firefighters actually came and supported the foundation. So just everybody's work together has, has been so awesome, and uh, I really look forward to um, you know expanding this this foundation and helping out firefighters across the country and not just uh, Minnesota and Colorado. Awesome stuff, Taylor. We appreciate it. As always, look forward to seeing you out uh, here. And uh, uh, your first taste of hockey will be one you, uh, I'm sure, don't uh, soon forget here uh, in Twins territory. Thank you, sir. Thank you, guys. All right, that's a great Taylor Rogers joining us here as we wrap up another edition of our Twins Hot Stove Show. Until next week, this has been the Twins Hot Stove Show brought to you by Killebrew Root Beer, locally owned and operated, how memories are created and legends are made. We'll see you then right here on your home for Twins Baseball. You've been listening to the Twins Hot Stove Show, sponsored by Killebrew Root Beer. Locally owned and operated, it's how memories are created and legends are made. This has been a presentation of a Treasure Island Baseball Network. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.